0: whatever situations that you might be in it might not be the place or the environment that you want to be in at the moment but do your best to enjoy it bro because you really never know if something were to happen after an encounter with someone that i love like that i would feel like shit because i didn't give everything that i had in that moment and i didn't give them my attention and i didn't give the energy to them that they deserve in that moment because they gave me that energy
1: Brandon, it's good to see you here. I've been, uh, I've been following you on Instagram for a minute, like I said, and to see you in front of me, it, it kind of freaks me out. Um, <laughs> so
0: I don't know, I don't know where to go with that, but, uh, I'm che- just another tequila sipping dude like there you, we go. Uh, Cheer- sit, man. <laughs> Cheers, Cheers,
1: baby. Thanks. It's good to see you. And, uh, yeah, so let's just jump into it. I know, um, we have a few different angles I think you wanted to cover and whatnot, but, uh, did you want to start with, I guess, we're from Palmdale, is that what you said?
0: Yeah, Palmdale, California. Grew up in East Palmdale, California. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, if you know, too, um, I mean, if you're in like pop culture, media news stuff, uh, Aaron Carter, the suicide that he just had, I guess it wasn't a suicide, it was an overdose, but this is the overdose that he just had was East Lancaster. So East Palmdale, Lancaster, uh, for people that don't know, it's like an hour north of Los Angeles, it's just far enough away that, that I feel like you get stuck in it. You know what I mean? So it's 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 one of those towns that, like, bro, I go back and I look at my Facebook and I'm like, yeah, you know what I mean? It's like, it's one of those, like, yeah, Yo. it's just, it's it's one of those things, bro. It's just a, it's a pit, it's a pothole, bro, that you just like kind of get stuck. It's the Valley for a reason, you know? But yeah, man, it's, it's, it's a little crazy out there. Plenty of people have spoke about it. I think it's most well known for Afro man singing a song about Palmdale, which is oh, yeah. great. But aside from that, even like Snoop Dogg was live on live on TV one time talking about it, and he was like, bro, that is the armpit of California. And it is. It is, bro. A lot of people got moved out the beginning of Palmdale because the housing was so cheap. A lot of people were busted out of South Central to Palmdale to get them out of South Central to try to just build up that population there. But to give affordable housing to other people and it kind of just fucked up the whole area, bro. So it's a little rough out there, bro. It's crazy and, and it's not cool to come from like a spot like that but it it built me and it built strengths and it built characteristics and it built a lot of different things about me in in what i am now so it was is palmdale bro yeah i
1: didn't know i didn't know that story <laughs> or history behind palmdale so you're you're starting off very educational for me so <laughs> so in, in that I, I don't know that world i don't, I don't you know I, I have my own my own shit in many different ways so i i haven't experienced anything that you've gone through without even hearing the rest of the story yeah so i'm gonna pretend not that i have um so when you say it's hard over there with like the way of life, you mentioned your story before the re- pre-recording that you lost someone in that world.
0: Yeah, it was, and that was in high school. So it was the the story. The story is wild, and um, I mean, it was in the media. It was a pretty big media story, but it was a party that I didn't go to. I chose not to go to because we were starting my junior year of high school, and my my schedule was all fucked up, and I was on my principal was a soccer fan. I was the captain of the soccer team and it was a schedule that I didn't want. And I knew that she would give me whatever I wanted because she loved the soccer team. And her husband was the principal of my rival school soccer team, which was wild. So like (laughs) whatever story. But so I stayed back that day knowing that the next morning um, I'm going to have to go to school. I'm going to have to talk to her. I'm going to have to get my shit straightened out. So from Palmdale, all of my best friends that came to a party down in Long Beach And it was a beach day uh, they did for my friend Mike's girlfriend's birthday. And it was just like, bro, just one of those trips, you, all the homies, like all of her friends, it was her birthday. They ended up going to a hotel. They had two hotel rooms that they were all partying in, just partying around the hotel. And that day, uh, my boy Wally never been religious ever in his life. And he just from word of, of that was going through the crowd and, and from everything that came came out in like the police like reports this and that so wally that day had said uh i don't know what it was but i was sitting on the beach today staring at the horizon and i found god and i saw god and i don't and i don't know why i don't know what it was but he was like it it was god and i've never been a believer whatever you know and that night he's standing on a balcony talking to a girl and he had told her that story and it said, I had found God today. And she said, no, you didn't. Cause God isn't real. He was like, well, regardless of what you believe, I saw what I saw. So I know what I saw, you know? And, and that was it. I've like had an epiphany today. It was something beautiful. And she was like, no, you didn't. And so they had gotten into an argument about it. And he was like the most laid back dude you could ever think of. 17 years old at the time. Most laid back. Chilling bro. And she legitimately left the balcony, went and grabbed grabbed a little switchblade knife, came back, and she had said that if you mention God one more time, I'm going to stab you. And this was in in her actual police report, in her confession. So she had said, if you mention God one more time, I'm going to stab you. And he was like, well, what are you talking about? You know what I mean? She ended up stabbing him, stabbing him in the neck, hit a main artery. He walked back into the room where everybody was partying, bro, partying, blood, crazy everywhere. And like how traumatic that would be for high school students, right? This is one of your best friends bro that this is happening to and he died right there before the ambulance came because he bled out and so they end up arresting the chick she ended up getting life in prison but the fact that how th- the irony in it right is that religiously you know like people try to find god or they look to god to get themselves out of a situation or when they're struggling or when whatever it is you know they look to belief and they look to a higher power to to get them somewhere and i I don't necessarily think it was something he was seeking for at the time. I think it was just something that happened to him. And when you look at now the story of what it was and in me, I, I, grew up very religious with my, with my grandma, but I've developed, I've developed my own beliefs in a lot of different things now, you know, but from the story of Christianity and what it is, right. And him finding God that day and having being killed that night is, is wild to me, bro. And I, And I'm like it it like blows my mind how ironic that is
1: I mean that's it's insane, and to, the first thing I think of it, I feel like there's two different ways to look at it I, feel like I'm, I, I, I guess I don't it sounds very l a me to say, but I feel like I'm more spiritual than religious. <laughs> I fucking hate that I just said that, so my East Coast friends are going to torture me if I yeah. just heard that.
0: you want some broccoli or yeah, something, bro? yeah. <laughs> Can I give you some kale yeah. to snag on? <laughs>
1: Goddamn. Goddamn. Sorry. I apologize. I mean, this, that was a horrible transition. Um, <laughs> but I feel like the way to look at, like, of looking at that, I'm, I got in trouble yesterday for saying that I take the devil's advocate, and no pun intended, again, when, my, when I have conversations, I just like to look at the other side. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's like, okay, did he, it's rhetorical, I guess, but however you want to add to it. He found, he found God that day and then, in a sense, got killed for finding God. Not yeah. precisely, but that's the irony of it. And then you could look at it as how the, God? How would that God let that happen type shit? You know what I mean? Does God work in mysterious ways? Or is it because he found God that day because he was destined to die regardless? Exactly,
0: because it was found that day. Was he destined to die? And he ended up finding it before he was killed. Yeah. You know, and that's like, I mean, these are the questions that are left unknown, you know?
1: yeah and i I maybe it's not even worth entertaining that question, but I mean, from the op the glass half full side of me it's like, yeah, I mean, you will never know, but I feel like there's got to be some peace to that at the same time, you know what I mean yeah. from from all sides of it,
0: yeah, I think from my perspective, looking at it too I, that's that is the way that I would look at it as well is is that was his story, and it was written, he ended up finding God not just in time but exactly what he was supposed to hmm. you know and and that's It's crazy, bro. It was a crazy story. And the the most interesting part about that is like, me and all of my best friends, it like broke up the group instead of bringing us together. You know what I mean? In, In a way that I think everybody felt like, not necessarily that they were at fault for a lot of things, but... Um, you know, people feeling like I should have been sitting next to him or I should have been there and I should have been doing this. This should have never happened because of this, you know, and I think people were holding themselves accountable of of things that nobody knew was going to happen and things that they weren't, they would have never stopped anyway, because it was going to happen the way it was going to happen, you know? So yeah, in an interesting way, bro, we all just like split up and, and stop talking. And to me, it's like, in hindsight, looking back at it, it's crazy because that's something that should technically bring everybody together, but everybody deals with it, deals with death in, in different ways.
1: Yeah, much different. And that, and that, that is, you think it would bring you together, and I, I would say the same thing. Me and my family, we became even stronger together, but there's so many examples of driving each other apart. Like you said, I think people do handle shit, especially grieving so differently that you don't, the emotions take you out of whack. I mean, is that something you
0: felt too, considering you would have been at that party if- your schedule wasn't all messed up. No, I never felt like I was at that. There was any accountability or anything mm. for it for me not going. But it was it was one of those things that things could have been different. Like the, the, a minute change, bro. You're talking about a minute, seconds of change. You know what I'm saying? If anything, you look at like it, people that get in a car accident, right? If if some if seconds of something was different that day. Mm. that wouldn't have happened seconds seconds you know what i'm saying we're talking about seconds milliseconds maybe but like if if the slightest second was different in something in that day that that caused somebody to stop or caused somebody to do something or whatever it was it it would have been a completely different story and also another the second most ironic thing about that was that girl was there for mike's girlfriend's party so they were both there to celebrate the life of the same person and his life had gotten taken that night
1: yeah, it's kind of, I mean, it's, I, I was back to the the thought of, was it, was it a peaceful transition because you found God or could it take you the other way of not believing in God because of that? It's like, what, what does that even mean? You know what I mean? Like that she was there and it happened like that. It makes it even more fucked up and frustrating.
0: Absolutely. And, and it's, one, it was senseless, it was stupid. Two, even from, you know, the perspective of the girlfriend, right? This was somebody that you had invited to your party, you know? And how does that make that person feel? Do they feel some type of accountability for something like that because yeah. she had invited that person and this is what, what happened, you know? And, like, clearly nobody ever thinks anything like that is going to happen. Like, death death is like this, bro. You never know. can happen anytime, anywhere, anybody, you know? And so for that situation to have happened the way that it did, looking looking at it from an outsider's perspective, looking in, like, I wasn't there, right? And so when I, when I see how everybody is acting afterwards, it is interesting to see the guilt that a lot of people hold because it's an unknown question of, was it because of something that I did? You know, was it an action that I did? Is it because I invited her that this had happened? If I would have never invited her, this wouldn't have happened. If he didn't find God that day, this wouldn't have happened. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's baggage that sticks to, especially at 17, being so close, there's
1: survivor's guilt that comes with that guilt of, was I accountable for that? There's, there's so many moving parts and I wish, not I wish, I'm curious to think what, people there today some people might get over it quickly or mm-hmm. however they got to grieve through it and then some people that's an experience that doesn't leave you that does that never
0: leaves you And that might fuck someone up one of those people up for life absolutely absolutely and for for me you know he was a very very i saw him every day pick him up on my way to school drop him off on my way home from school it was it was every single day so how did you process it it was it was interesting bro there wasn't a guilt thing there but it was different for me to process in from the family that I come from, my my grandparents are immigrants, they're from Indonesia. You know, my dad, growing up under my grandpa, my grandpa was very strict, you know, and they were taught, I think the just a generation before us were taught not to show any emotion regardless, you know what I mean? You just get through and you do what you got to do. And so it's interesting too, of my dad as an example, watching him in loss. Granted, I've never lost anyone in my immediate family, aside from my grandmother. And I had a cousin, I had a cousin that committed suicide five years ago. But in my immediate family of my sisters, my dad, my mom, I've, I've never lost anybody, and I'm, I'm truly grateful for that. But watching how these, how these people process loss too, it's interesting because I never had you – don't, you don't have a role model or something to tell you how to act in these situations. You know what I mean? You kind of just have to go through it the way you want to go through it. And for me, it was, it was tough, bro. It was difficult. You know, and then and then also like me, kind of just losing all my homies and getting out of touch with all my homies. It, it I felt more alone in that time than any other time in my life leading up until that point. And it was interesting. It was a very very weird feeling.
1: So in relation to you said it was your the way you were brought up was more just kind of keep your shit together and move on kind of thing in general or was that?
0: Yeah, I mean, my parents were great, bro. My parents have always been there my my mom my dad have always showed us love they've always showed all these different things but watching watching them as role models mm-hmm. and how they process things right not necessarily the way that they treated us but watching the way that they deal yeah my my dad is just kind of like doesn't matter what it is bro I'm going to get the work done doesn't matter how I feel I'm going to get up and I'm going to get to work get the work done so I think even that too in a in a like a mind process of okay I still have things that I have to do so let me make sure I still get up and do them you know I think that 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 was a positive outlet or a positive outlook in that too, because of, I mean, just the staying busy aspect, you know, and keeping your mind busy with things and, and just doing what I'm supposed to do and making sure I stay the track of, of my life because I still have a life. You know what I'm saying? And you start, I don't know, you just, you just start questioning, bro. And you start looking into different things. Like I had a, I had told you, I had one of my buddies overdose when this was when I was in college and After his overdose, I had never had so many questions in my life about just what happens after life. You know what I mean? And you just look for answers as to like why. And um, I like dug way into books and like all different kinds of shit. And I got into like hypnotherapy that brings out past lives and this and that. And like, and it and it completely changed my perspective on not even just just what life is and what the afterlife is, but like spirituality and religions. You know because. Yeah, it was uh it was a book called Many Lives Many Masters that I got into. I've
1: heard of that. I haven't yeah, read it.
0: By Brian Weiss. Okay. And so he was he was a doctor in Florida this way back when he did hypnotherapy because he he didn't agree with suppressing feelings with with pills and in medication, right? Because you need to get to the core root of what it, what the issue is in order to fix it. And uh he was just trying hypnotherapy and found a girl that was reluctant to do it. And she finally did it and started speaking in different voices. And he has like full counts, tapes, his YouTube videos from like, that were recorded way, not not on YouTube way back yeah. then, but you know what I mean? Yeah. On YouTube now and, and just crazy counts of of what happens in the afterlife and what, what happens in your past lives and who people really are and how old your spirit is and how many lives you've lived and this and that. And it, and it opened my mind up and i looked at death way differently after that how did you look at it way differently it's i wasn't necessarily ever scared of death right it was i am more so scared of not fulfilling what i feel like i have to do in this life i'm more i'm more so scared of of not finishing what i feel like i need to finish in reaching as many people as possible, and helping as many people as I can, and in in taking my life's course, and in, in just in just helping and motivating and doing what I do, right? So before that, though, it was it was just interesting because you don't because you don't read and you're not opened up to things. I guess you really only kind of have the one perception that you might think what things are, and it's not really anything. You just don't really have an answer to it, right? And so it was. It was different. I don't know. I'm, I'm like not, not scared because I feel like I'll come back.
1: So let me ask you this because I'm, I'm going to be tying this together terribly. But in, reg- in regards to your readings and how it drove you to push harder to uh, was it, find fulfillment or help other people and then whatnot, mm-hmm. was there anything in the reading that mentioned the work we do in this current life either brings you somewhere different later
0: because of the work we do now? Absolutely. So is that what drove you? Yeah, so it's a lot. Of, a lot of the current the problems that we currently have in this life are derived from lessons that we never fulfilled, or lessons that we never fully learned in our past lives. Got it, okay. right? Or things that we were too stubborn to to work on and do, or or whatever, you know. And so, whether it's love or whether it's trust or whether it's whatever it is that you had an issue with, it fully fulfilling in a past life, it comes back in this life. And so, there's a lot of different issues that are built up in, in all of these other lives that you've lived whether you were a man, whether you were a woman, whatever it was and whatever your spirit was embodied in, they kind of compile in the new lives that you live in. It's up to you to find these things and work on them. Whether it is like a love thing, right? A lot of people are closed off to it. A lot of people are not necessarily open to it. Maybe that was something that had happened before or in a past life or something that, well, it could be environmental. It could be something that you saw when you were younger, but a lot of them are character traits that had happened to you before in another life that are now here that you have troubles dealing with. Interesting that you have to necessarily fulfill and overcome.
1: Yeah, that freaks me out a little bit, just because I'm trying to. I'm trying to think my problems I'm like maybe I'm gonna blame it on a past life. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking a whole shit ran, the whole train of problems ran <laughs> through my head right there. I was like, God damn, what happened in the few the decades? What happened <laughs> to me? Yeah, <laughs> no, that's. I'm, I'm interested in that shit, especially when you said the hypno- it was hypnotherapy, right? Mm-hmm. I want to kind of take a relate what you just said to what you said earlier in regard. So the idea of when you go through something, whether it's specifically grief or trauma, mm-hmm. what we're talking about, and the idea of kind of moving forward, handle your shit, no matter how I feel, because that's how I operate. And mm-hmm. that's kind of how I, my my mom took the, when she lost her husband and my dad, she was keeping the ball fucking moving. And she also took an approach of what I struggled with. of was speaking about how I felt. And I just, I would, it took me a time to do that. And now I have a freaking podcast about it. Mm-hmm. But I feel like there's a a balance there because I personally like the approach me for me of just if I feel shitty I'm gonna get up, I'm gonna handle my shit, no matter how I feel. But I think there's like a, a fine line of pushing that shit off. And whether you said whether it's it's covering up with through antidepressants or whatever this, that, or the other, whatever are um drinks or just holding it in, I think there is a fine line of you have to do take some time for yourself to get that out one it's way. Or you know what I mean? if you don't release that, my belief system, what I've heard from people is like that build that it should build up. It right? will build up and it'll turn into a goddamn tumor. Absolutely. Sorry for saying goddamn again. But it'll, it'll like turn into something literally physical if it's not already expressed emotionally. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So there is a fine line of pushing forward. Cause I do that me, like I agree with you. That to me is how I handle things for better or for worse. And I think there is an approach of at some point, you got to face it. Because if you keep saying too busy, there are those idle moments that will hit you the most. And I feel like that is what a lot of people handled in 2020 when we were isolated, when we had to go through lockdown, just like people had to face their demons. And whether they handled it or not, I, that was my thought process of what people were facing. I had people in my circle that were not okay being alone. Mm. Not that I've handled everything. I still got shit handling, but I'm good alone. I don't know what it is. I'm like a little bit of a loner, extrovert type person. And, but I, I don't mind facing. I may feel like shit, but I'm going to what I've learned from people on this podcast sitting when you're sitting is you got to let yourself feel it at the same time. Absolutely. I don't know when that comes, you know, how it takes time for everyone. I don't know what's right or wrong. Take everything I'm saying with a grain of salt, but do you, have you allowed yourself to do that in any capacity in regards to anything that's gone in your life? Do you, do you face that or do you, or do you, like, how do you do it?
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, I think I'm very much like you too. It is a, it is a thing. Like I still got shit to do and I'm gonna keep moving. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? But yeah, I mean, when Wally had been killed that was definitely something that, that I definitely took some time to. Probably not in the best ways to. Like, bro, we're, we're, we start partying, we're drinking, this and that. but You're 17. Yeah, you know, you, you don't really... This is the first time anyone had been killed in my life, you know? And so I had times where I felt like I needed to be alone. And I feel like I'm like that, too. I'm, I'm like very independently al- alone, you know, and like working jobs, some of the jobs that I did, I would, I would wake up and I was driving a truck to, to Bakersfield to deliver sushi in the morning. So I'm very isolated. I'm, it's like a very by myself job, you know? So a lot of the things that I've done, I've, I've been by myself and, and this is through things too, right? So through the death of someone or through like a, a breakup with a girl or through whatever it is, things going on in my life, failures, whatever it is, knowing to like tomorrow, I'm going to be sitting only by myself with my own thoughts on this long ass road with nothing else to do, you know? And so I think... I've always had it in me to carve out some time for myself and just let myself try to process the best that I can. I don't think anybody has it down to a T or science. I don't think anybody knows what it is or what the process is, but I do as well as I can to try to, to try to really feel it and let it out and let my cries out. And like, bro, if you got to scream and do whatever it is that you want, then do it, you know? And, but at the end of the day too, knowing, like, I still have shit to do. Yeah yeah
1: how much is that cause, i mean i'm gonna you're gonna be plugged in the description or anything in at the end of the podcast but how much does for those that don't know he's a fantastic trainer with you have a long list of clients i'm sure but how does how much does that physicality in your life that you take every that you do every day help with that like is that a massive release for you or at this point it's just so routine it still is for you
0: yeah and i mean i played soccer for 15 years of my life when i was a kid so it was like it was very strict of like athletics, athletics, athletics. And then it was a, a break period of like the worst moments of my life because it was, I didn't know what to do with myself. I didn't have structure because I didn't have the athletics in me anymore. Right. So when I quit, so that's when we were partying and that's when shit starts happening. That's when people are getting hurt and people are dying, you know? And so for me, my outlet was that it was the athletics and it was me going back into the gym and, and finding that again to release. And that's like necess- what I needed that I didn't know that I needed, you know? And so, the physical release is huge, yeah, and like whether you're running. I know a lot of people find themselves running. I'm not necessarily a runner, bro. I tried it. I didn't. I seen you marathon. like sprint
1: and pull car. I Are mean, you like pulling cars or some <laughs> shit? That's different. That's
0: different, bro. I did. I did like. I did a half marathon in Miami, and we did it all wrong. I did all the training right the night the night before. We ended up getting fucked up. We drank. It was a crazy. It was a, one of the best parties that I've ever been to in my life. And I tried to. We tried to like just keep the track. It didn't work, but the training in that is good. It's another one of those things that you're just by yourself, bro. And it's it's a mind over matter type thing. And you you will go as far as your mind allows you to go because your body will continue to go unless you're legitimately pulling muscles and like breaking down legs. Right. But the physical release is huge, bro. And what it does to biologically to you, once you hit certain strides or hit things in your workouts and dopamine releases, and and there's, there's a lot that goes on in your body that, that can explain why you can cope with things a little bit better when you have a physical release. It's crazy.
1: This is episode. This will be like the 80th episode or some shit. And I'm not on your level, and I've been slacking lately. But the phys—I I'm, I'm play a lot of sports. I have worked out my whole life, and bad time for me right now working out. But that physical release—the first time—it's actually coming up, and it's crazy. I'm happy you're here to say that because that is such a—that is something that if you don't know what the hell to do, like if you don't want to talk about it, or just fucking go for a run, go work out, do some push ups. do something like that. Because that is throw some, throw some weight around because that shit is a true release that I think sticks with you. And even, you know, some people go to the gym, you work out and you only, you know how much you're pushing yourself, right? Like you you have a trainer like you, that makes it a lot easier, a lot better to push yourself. But especially when you work, when I'm working out by myself, I know if I'm being a bitch or not. Like I know, I know if I (laughs) could, I could have got two more reps, but if I didn't do it, that's on me. But that like, that's like, to me, that's programming in your head. If you do push those, even though it's physical, it's not, it's, it's psychosomatic. It's like you said, it's mental too. Mm-hmm. And being able to push yourself physically is a mental conversation, especially when you leg day. Like for me, I don't know, maybe this is, tell me if this is wrong. Or not. I feel like leg days, I can always, I can mentally push myself more with my legs than I can like with the bench press for some reason. I don't know what the hell that means. I could be way off. But that mental conversation with yourself of pushing yourself that extra mile, that extra 10 minutes, whatever the hell it is, that sticks with you dealing with something like this absolutely like i'm sure there's not exact crosshairs there but it's putting yourself in difficult situations even if it's physical that's the shit we should be doing every day i think we should i should do a better job at challenging myself in every aspect every single day because when your car when your car gets called and shit like that you've gone through that helps you you might not it might not seem like it you're like when you're going through something like grieving or whatever you're not like oh it's because i got that 225 up but it's those putting yourself through those situations where you have to challenge yourself and look at yourself and push yourself, that helps you in so many aspects of
0: your life. 100%. I think going, like you're saying, it's a difficult situation, right? So you you build stress receptors in those situations. Mm. And so I was listening to, super interesting, it was a brain doctor on a Joe Rogan podcast. And she was talking about it. And she was, she was talking about how beneficial the sauna is for your body and building stress receptors. So she was like, if you can do 20 to 30 minutes in a sauna every day, what it does is is you start she she sits in there for like an hour and twenty minutes she's no problem but she, but you have to you have to build yourself up to that right so plenty of people I'm sure if you're sitting in a hot sauna you start really feeling anxious and you don't know what to do right and so yeah. you're like okay maybe I can stay here you start staring at the clock you start freaking out because it's like feels like you're on drugs <laughs> and what that is it, it's it's a fight or flight mode for your body and it's telling you like you need to fucking get out of here right. What's happening at the same time, though, is you're building stress receptors in that moment. And so those stress receptors, because you're going through something physical in correlation to what you were just talking about, it helps you too later down the road when you're dealing with something mental. So you can better cope with things mentally by going through those physical stresses.
1: See, I explain things in New Jersey ways. He explains things intellectually. Thank so, <laughs> <laughs> you for pointing that out. You said that way more
0: scientifically. Give me some, keep back that tequila. But, is it, but, it's ex- <laughs> but it's exactly what you were saying. Yeah, I was legitimately, just saying, what uh, you were saying is is 100% true.
1: I was just saying it in an East Coast Italian idiocracy way. See, I don't even know if idiocracy is a word. Anyway, um, it's funny sex. I got, I, I got a sauna here. I got one on my like downstairs, I've been trying to hit that more often, and probably because I've heard him on his podcast mention it more. Don't quote me on this. Fact check this. They mentioned something about if you do the sauna, I think 20 minutes, it was 20 minutes three or four times a week. They did a 20-year uh, study in I think Iceland it was mm. that reduces all cause, all cause mortality by like 20 or 40% or something like that, which is crazy. But in relation to what you were saying, every, I try to hit the 20-minute mark. In my head, like I've done the cold plunge and that was a challenge, but I feel like I adapted to that really quick. For some reason, I feel like I struggled more in the sauna mm-hmm. than I did with the cold plunge. Cold plunge sucks. But the sauna, just hitting that twenty-minute mark, I did exactly what you said. I was first, I was like meditating. Next thing I know, I'm laying on my back, I'm sitting there, and then I'm like checking my. I peeked at my phone to see how much time is left. Maybe I'm just a pussy, but it was like, it was way, I could do it, but it's like way harder than I thought when I got to that 15 minute mark. I'm like, I thought this would be a piece no,
0: of cake. It's crazy anxiety, bro. And like, if you're not used to it and you are at like a, a decent temperature, you're close to the 200s or you're in the 200s. I don't know what it says. It's, it's like old as hell. So it's, it, it's probably up there though. Still, even like the one eighties. Right. So like infrareds go like 140. I have infrareds on at in my place it's, and I'll, that doesn't I'll do it doesn't feel as hard. Nah, it, it will. Infrared too is it's infrared cooks you from the inside out. And so it, it raises your body temperature inside for you to sweat more so when you get out you're still sweating technically you're supposed to still burn cal- burn more calories there's there's a lot of different benefits to it whatever but but for a basic sauna um just a straight heat sauna dry sauna they're usually pushing like 200s yeah and it's it's hard bro if you're not used to that no. and you're sitting in that and you start like exactly what you're saying you start hitting that minute where you like really start getting fidgety the time goes so slow, and the anxiety builds up quick, bro. Quick. Like, quick. Quick. And
1: it's like, I, I never had a, thank God, I never had a drug addiction, but I've, I've dabbled in my life, and I've got some weird places. But it did feel like that. It did feel like that. I was like, so I feel like I was like scratching myself, like looking around. And I'm by myself, of course, which I prefer, but it's, uh, it's a uh, it's a weird, it's it's a, but those are those like, those buttons we're pushing, like it makes sense when you said it way more elegantly than I did, like there's stress receptors. Thank you for saying that, because no, like I, I always, I never backed that up. I just assumed that's what it was. Yeah, and it makes it makes so much more sense when you say yeah, it like so that. You're like low key a genius. You just did. Thanks, know. man. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's so. you know, should hang up the podcast and do something else. Yeah, no, I man. I, I admire what you do, and it's, you do it in such a cool fucking way. And this is it's it's fun to. This is why I would. By the way, we just I just met him. I've been creeping on his Instagram for years, but we just met. He took the time out to be here, and it's cool to see. You know, I see you from a from an audience standpoint of your world. Like, I don't, I don't know. I didn't know you before this and we're still getting to know each other, but I see you, you know, on your Instagram and doing what you're doing. So, in such a great way, but I appreciate you being on that side of the couch talking about this because it's a side that from me being on my side, you never get to see. And like, and maybe you've shared this on your Instagram and like, I just may have missed it or something. Mm. But I mean, that's, this is literally what it's about. And you explaining stories that you had that most people might not even know you've gone through. I mean, Mm. correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe you've shared this. But it's uh, I mean, you never know what someone has gone through. You know what I mean? You never know what pushed you to get there, and and you losing your friend from an overdose. You mentioned, and I'm forgetting almost the tequila. If you
0: mentioned on the podcast or before the recording, that was, it was before the, It might have been recording, but it was technically before the Okay, recording. so you
1: didn't get into what that pushed you to what you're doing?
0: Yeah. Okay, so can we do that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So we so we can get into that. So okay. like that that phase that I was talking about in between the athletics is it was it was just a dark phase, bro. It was me never really having an open weekend, never, never really having a no structure, just moment in my life. And so I was just, wow, bro. I just did whatever I wanted. And at that time I was going to ABC Antelope Valley college. I had gotten out of high school. I didn't get any D one offers for soccer for the schools that I wanted to go to. I had offers from South Carolina, Las Vegas. And I just was like, that's probably going to be an issue. It was just things I wanted to be in Southern California because I wanted my family to be able to come watch me. Right. And so I was like, let me go the community college route. Let me run this shit for like a year or two. I'll I'll bounce out to a D one for sure. The year that I got to ABC, they cut the men's soccer program because there was no funding. So it was like things were just lining up for me to get fucked up. And I was like, okay, cool. So now I got now I got time. In interesting way it was a release and it was I almost felt free in a moment because I was like, I'm not locked down to something, you know, I'm like, granted, I'm going to school. I'm still working. At that time, I was working at a coffee shop and working merchandising for a sushi company. So I was hitting Costco's in the morning. But with the rest of my day, I was free. You know, there was no other structure or things that I had to stick to or like, Yo, you can't do this and you can't do that because of this. And so, yeah, bro, that was experimental time, bro. And you're just drinking partying and getting fucked up, this, that. And it wasn't, it wasn't until we we start getting into drugs and you start really seeing how many people actually do drugs. And in Palmdale, it's a huge problem, bro. There's a huge heroin problem in Palmdale. There's a huge meth problem in Palmdale, big coke problem in Palmdale, all the drugs. And so you start seeing people around you in your circle that you didn't know were doing drugs like that. And you're like, oh shit, you know? And so like you start, like I had done Coke. I've I've never touched heroin, I've never touched meth, I've never touched anything like that. And you start seeing all the prescription drugs popping up in the oxies and this and that, because people feel like this isn't heroin. I'm taking a pill. You know, mm. it's, it's opioids, bro. It's heroin. It's the same thing. You're just not shooting it. Yes. And, and so, a ton of my friends, bro, in the group, are, everybody's hitting oxy, so they're hitting, and and it's like it's a process through the night of like everyone's gonna do coke to to party, boost up, and then everyone's gonna take Xanax to bring come back down, and then everyone's gonna be drunk, and then but before you go to sleep, you're, they're gonna take oxy to go to sleep, and this and that, and it was it was a fucked up cycle of that that I'm like starting to see happen with a lot of my friends, and it's in it's constant. You know, any day off that they have, it's on. All the weekend, it's on. And this is like the cycle that it is. And one of my good friends at the time, I was actually dating his sister. I mean, he had been through it, bro. Uh, we spoke before. He had gotten his stomach pumped multiple times. And we had thought like, oh, this would just be another time that he's in the hospital. He's in, he's out. And he had died that day. And nobody was expecting that. And nobody thought that would happen. He had od that night. And it was another one of those stories of... He had gotten an argument with this girl. He was upstairs in the bed. She didn't sleep in the room that night because they got in the argument. She slept on the couch. She woke up the next morning, went up, and he had he had thrown up, and he was still laying on his back. So he was suffocating. Granted, he was still alive and still had a pulse when she found him, but she freaked out and didn't know what to do. She called his dad first before calling an ambulance. Just like a, You know what I mean? Who, who knows what the mindset is of people when you see this for the very first time. And the dad had come ambulance came uh they had brought him to the hospital he was alive in the hospital and they were saying best case scenario coming out of this is he's going to be brain dead and they were like he had a loss of oxygen to his brain for too long he's going to be brain dead coming out of this so there's going to be a choice that you guys are going to have to make at some point and an hour later he was dead before before they had to make the decision before they had to make the decision yeah and so i'm, I'm sure that was an easier decision on the parents and not have to make that decision but at the same time it's that was wild and for me to be dating his sister that was her only brother didn't have any other siblings i was also absorbing absorbing a lot of her energy because i want things to be right and i want her to feel okay and be as comfortable as possible and, and how do you still you know give love to someone that's going through something like this that was a tough time bro and it's and it's that's such a difficult position to be in. And then knowing and understanding, like for me to sit back and be like, this is tough for me. You know what I mean? It's I, I can't imagine what it feels like for her because I've never lost my sisters. So it's interesting. I'm still friends with her to this day. I
1: say, that's great.
0: Of course. Yeah. And um, we're still super cool. We And we've spoken about it plenty of times, but it's, we were young. We still had a lot of growing up to do. I think a lot of people said a lot of things out of just like this Things built up and not really being able to fully release things because people are around and not being by yourself. And like, I do think that having someone there can be an advantage, but at the same time, like you have to go through the shit by yourself that that person, it doesn't matter what they say to you. I mean, I can imagine that you went through that, right? I mean, you were how old? 12 years old. I was 12. Yeah. So I don't, I don't even know if you fully understood what that was, but It doesn't matter what anybody says to you in that moment. You're still going to think and feel the way that you feel, you know, and and I've learned that through my own loss and going back and trying to comfort her as much as as I possibly could, knowing like I did the best that I could. But I know at the end of the day, what all of the efforts that I was giving isn't going to be enough because she still has to process and do it herself. And so it was it was that loss that forced me to step away from everything and everybody. And I dated all my friends and I dated everybody I was hanging out with. Um, I quit my job at the coffee shop because it was one of my friends that was there, like all of it. And I just had time on my hands and I didn't know what to do with it. And so I was like, I'm going to work in the morning. As soon as I get off, before I go home, before I lay down, before anything, I get comfortable, I'm going to the gym and that's it. And I never see myself as like a gym rat. My dad's like jacked, bro. My uncle's jacked, bro. Traps like up to here, to their fucking ears, bro. <laughs> it's interesting how, how many times my pops had tried to get me into a gym. And I was just like, it's not me, bro. I'm like, I'm a fucking soccer player. I don't need to be like that, you know? And so once I hit this point in my life, I was like, let me just get some kind of outlet. You know what I mean? I need some type of energy release. And that's, that's what started me working out, bro. In, in getting into that gym. And it was, it's the irony too, in that, that how, how loss in dealing with that loss almost gave me life.
1: That is ironic. That's what we said. The conversation of death is
0: life. Exactly.
1: Yeah, your perspective is, uh, from what I'm observing, is impressive because I don't know. I feel like, like I said, I've known you for f- forty nine minutes now, and uh, <laughs> and it's cool to see because I, I try to observe from this side and look. I feel like I can learn from you, and you made the the first point of when you first went to the community college to play soccer, and then they 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 dropped the program, right? And then your perspective from what I'm, I do not know if that took you time, but you were like, okay, it gives me more free time to do this as opposed to like, what the fuck? Why am I doing this? You cho- you looked at this and said, I have more free time to do this. But that's, mm-hmm. that's number one. And then if, and it if, was a choice. It was, it, think about it. Yeah. It, it is, yeah, it's literally a Absolutely choice. Absolutely was a choice. And that, yeah, man, I, I'm going on. Like I said, this is, I, I go off a rant. I don't have a script. I, I don't know who I was talking to recently. It was like, I was pointing something out about external events. Something happens to us. So there's grief, loss, this, that, breakup, doesn't matter. How you respond, you can react or you can respond to it. And how you respond to it is literally a choice. I feel like how, if, if if you let something else, like when, if that program dropped and you could have reacted to it angry and pissed off, this or that, but you had a choice to make. You literally have a choice. And so many people give the power to the event that so happens that's, happen. that's outside of us. Mm. And I'm guilty of that many times. Like I, I catch myself and I, I think I'm better at this point in my life of, even though I might naturally react like that, but I catch myself thinking like, okay, I just think that's so important, whether it's grief or this or that, much easier said than done because sometimes you got to go through those. You got to have those hissy fits and like just let it happen. But I think we have way more of a choice than we think. I think Absolutely. Like, literally everything. I think we truly have a choice. It takes discipline and practice. Go in the sauna three times a week. I don't know. But it takes, we do have a choice and it's way easier said than done. So like anyone going through shit right now that is put out, like saying, "Oh, you know, David, what the hell? Like I, I feel like that's fine. Feel what you got to feel. But we ultimately do have a choice. And that was a very small moment. And you said other profound things, but like, th- that stuck out to me because it's like he he the homie chose to see it that way. Mm-hmm. And that turned into something greater. Mm-hmm. And those choices are the different. And back again, I feel like I'm like an encyclopedia going in my brain right now. How you were saying how every second, like you can get stopped at a light, and then this happens. I think about that all the time. How one second can affect the trajectory of you and everyone connected to you. And I always think about. I don't know if it, like I'm I'm high and I'm doing this, but like, and something happens if I forget my keys, I turn around and get it, and I literally think something I'm like, "Oh, if I didn't forget those keys, was I going to hit someone, a pedestrian walking That'd on Santa Monica? Like, I don't know." Anything you think yeah, <laughs> no, I don't know. And that's just me getting too woo, to woo- I already admitted to uh, eating broccoli, like you said, so I'm like, I'm not going to <laughs> go down that rabbit hole. But no, I, th- I think it. it I, may, I, get, I don't know. Maybe this is who you've always been. Maybe this is through your experiences and whatnot. But I, I can I can see it's very interesting to see your perspective on how you've handled that and how you've turned. A tragedy into this amazing platform that you've built—it's
0: fucking incredible. Yeah, that that was essentially the the beginning of it. Yeah, I mean we talked about it before, and it's it's been a crazy ride. But not, I mean, I'm grateful for every second of it. It's been positive, you know what I mean.
1: Real well, quick, before we before we start wrapping this up, um, I just wanted to put this in because I thought it was interesting.
0: So you said you worked at a funeral a funeral home. Yeah. At what point of your life? So that was that was after Wally, after George. So it it was two of my friends that had already passed away. Oh, Okay, so it's later on. Yeah. So it was I was in college. I wanna bring this up because I feel like that it's kind gotta of add some perspective to Oh absolutely. No, so the reason why. So I had a friend that was already working at a funeral home and he was he was picking up bodies. And so these are bodies that have already been signed off by coroners. They've are, or they're on hospice or they're on on whatever the hospitals let them go and they finish out their last days at home, things like that, or we're picking up bodies at the coroner's office. Right. So these are these are bodies that have already been inspected and they need to come back to the funeral home to prep for a funeral. And well, one, it was interesting that like I had seen my homie go and do it, and he put on like a suit, everything, and get into a Dodge Caravan. And it looks like your average Dodge Caravan, but there's no back seat. There's two gurneys in the back, yeah. and so you would never know, right? It's all tinted windows. And he was like, "Yeah, bro, it's it's he paid, the dude pays me fifty bucks cash every time. Just go. It's it's in the area. Go pick him up. Boom, drop him off. And he was like, "It might take thirty minutes of my you're time. You doing the driving, or you're picking actually him up? picking people oh, up, right? And so seeing him do it, I was like, "I'm curious as to what it looks like or feels like the, the taboo around death and seeing a dead body is i wanted to see how i would react to it and there's if it's if it's someone that's older to me it's going to be easier right than seeing like a, a younger person just laid out on the street or something and uh, we've seen some fucked up ones but the very first one that i went to drove out to Palm Springs and i remember his name was Raymond he was an old man that was coming back up to Palmdale and our van overheated with him in the back. Oh. so Tim, and this is midsummer Palm Springs. So he was in he was in a freezer, granted. So overheats on the way back, and we're stuck on the side of the road. And the guy from AAA comes and gra- comes and picks us up and drops us off the freeway because he's getting off his shift. So he was like, "I'm going to wait for someone else to come and get you." So we sit at a gas station for two hours. Another truck comes and gets us, and we ride up to Palmdale to drop him off back at the funeral home. And when we got to Palmdale, the guy that owns a funeral home comes to pick us all up and brings his girlfriend, so she's occupying the other seat in the car. <laughs> so now I'm. This is the very first time I had ever gone to do this. I'm sitting. I'm sitting on Raymond's gurney in the back, bro. And like, I was. It, it was. It, it was an interesting situation. For yeah, so always- like. For some reason, it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily like a traumatizing situation or anything like that, but it was just like, what the, what the fuck, bro? Like how I would have never expected that this would be my first encounter with like an actual physical dead body in front of me. Right. And so that was fucking weird we found some crazy ones, bro. We found some like calls of families that it was someone on hospice or someone that was just living out the rest of their days and they wanted to be by themselves. So they were out in a trailer in the middle of, of little rock, which is outside of Palmdale in uh, the same thing, like midsummer, bro. And we, we get there and it's like th- a fully decomposed body that we find. Ugh. And you're like, um, a respirator mask on with Vicks in my nose, everything. And you like still see it still smell it still everything bro it doesn't even look like a face the face falls off it's crazy oh my god yeah so it's like it these were all things that i didn't know what was going to be too much for me to see i didn't know what would be like would would some of this be hard? would it be traumatizing or anything and none of it was in in that situation because they weren't like crime type kills or anything like that right it was people just living out the rest of their days and i feel like if they went away peacefully they went away peacefully And I just wanted to know what the feeling was to be in those situations. But there was there was a lot of times, bro. That was it was super hard. And you get there, and the whole family's there, and like the families like grabbing onto the gurneys, and they don't want to let go. And you see, you have to see, and you can be empathetic in the situation. But the thing is, you have to not show emotion to do the job. I can't cry because the entire family is crying for someone that they had just lost, you know? And I, and I know what that is like my, my grandma, I, I was on the way up to my grandma and I had missed, I had actually missed her by an hour. She had passed away in her bed and uh, it was, we knew that it was her last day and things were not looking good. And she lives in Lone Pine, which is like at the base of Mount Whitney. It's, it's on the way to Mammoth. It's like three hours away. And so my sister and I, as fast as we could, just piled all the shit in the car, boom, shot up. And I missed her by about an hour in that was a shitty feeling knowing like there's nothing that we really could have done to do anything differently, but knowing how I felt in that situation and granted, she went away peacefully and she, she died in her sleep, but I put myself in the position of all the people that previously I was picking up their relatives and I felt it and and you really start to understand what that feels like. And it's, it's, understanding that it's a process of things that have to do but you almost don't want that person to go. you know what I mean It's difficult to just let that person go and let that person leave and yeah man it was it was it was a lot of really interesting situations that that I had got into in that job and I'm glad that I did it. I don't think that if I if I see a dead body I, I won't be freaked out by it because of those situations and that is essentially what I wanted to build going into that, that I would be able to process something or if someone was dying or going to die, my head would be straight in order to be able to help this person without freaking out.
1: That's so interesting. That's so wild to look, to have that consideration because that makes sense. But most people won't put themselves in that situation intentionally.
0: No. And you, and you it, like, in a very shocked situation, say like someone's dying in front of you and you just kind of freeze up and don't know what to do. I wanted to make sure that, like, okay, I've, I've seen plenty of dead bodies in my life, bro.
1: Yeah, I think about that. Like, putting myself in specific situations, how would I react? You won't know until you know, but it's good to prep for that. That is, that's, that's unique. And and it made me think when you're thinking about it specifically with your grandmother. It's my song, Corny. But it's interesting, when you know someone's passing and they're in the hospital, I've been in those situations where you got to rush to the hospital, you want to see them. You want to, sh- If there's an opportunity to share a last moment, you want to share that last moment so you could, when I say you, the general you or me, you can kind of control that last moment and really embrace the gratefulness in that this is the last moment. So what I'm saying maybe be corny is when we do see people, especially people, we care a little on everyone. This is why it's a cliche is to like, see the whoever we're saying goodbye to, like when i say when i clap you up and say goodbye to you tonight like we should pretend that it's the last time we're ever going to see each other mm. because of those moments because like the, there's a reason why you rush to the hospital to share those moments because maybe the moment before that not that you say i love you or anything but you don't think of it like that and it's kind of a, a balancing act of like i don't want to be morbid like this is the last time i'm going to see you and it's like that but i think that's a good practice in my head of pretending that this is the last time i'm going to see you not like i'm going to like give you a smooch on the lips or anything but it's like this, you never know, you know, it's going to have any second, any day, any time. And as morbid as that sounds, that's just reality we live in. So to live in a life of like, this might be the last time I see you, I think we'll just express more gratitude and love in that moment. And then that's it. And you see him again. Sure. But like, I think it just expresses more gratitude and love in the moment.
0: Yeah. I don't, I don't think it's morbid at all. I think it's, it's people being aware of, um, in respecting the presence of someone else and in being fully there. You know, And in, in really being there and enjoying it. And I think that's the thing that a lot of people don't understand there's something that I, I talk to plenty of kids about on my platform is that there's a lot of things that you're going to do that you don't really want to do, but you're going to have to do and you're going to have to be there and you're, the time is already going to be spent. So do it the best of your ability, you know, give everything that you have, be fully present. And if you're going to, what is the worst part? Granted, like you might not be interested in a subject in school. What is the worst part about actually learning about something and getting knowledge, knowledge in something, right? What is the worst part of, of listening to someone speak that has been through some things and in, in really understanding and in tr- being empathetic and what they go through and really feeling it and being present, you know, like what is, what is the worst of all these things? And like, whatever situations that you might be in it might not be the place or the environment that you want to be in at the moment but do your best to enjoy it bro because you really never know and it's the same thing when you're with your people and your loved ones and your family you should absolutely treat it that way and I don't think that's corny at all I think it's I think that's something that a lot of people take for granted and I think You know, we get caught up in like all this social media bullshit and the growth of this and I got to do this and that me watching my shit, you know, and I find myself in those situations plenty of times. And if something were to happen after an encounter with someone that I love like that, I would feel like shit because I didn't give everything that I had in that moment and I didn't give them my attention and I didn't give the energy to them that they deserve in that moment because they gave me that energy.
1: That's it right there. Yeah, it made me think again about even if you're going through shit and you have the, like, you're with someone you care about, just give them, be present, like you said, be present in that moment. Because even if, like, you're going, say, you're going to see your family or whatever, and you're dealing with some shit, just put that shit on, on hold. Turn it at, off, at, bro. At, at a minimum, yeah, put it on turn hold. It because off. Just fucking be there. And then when you leave, you can turn that shit back on, like you just said. Turn that shit back on, and then you can be miserable like you are. But in that moment, actually, I, I get myself caught up. Like, I'm going through some stuff that I don't feel pity for myself. Every, what I'm going through, everyone else has gone through. Let's just leave it at that. But it's like I sometimes find myself carrying it to where I'm going, and I do. My, I really consciously try to just, just fucking turn it off, be there, and then if I want, if I want to be a little pansy about it, just fucking. I'll turn it on when I leave. But like that presence, and once again, it's so fucking simple. But it's but this is, right now, like the, the future, be cognizant of it. The past, learn from it. But this is
0: literally, this is, what you and me in this room right now, this is it. This is all you got, if you, if you really think about it's it. it's the only this certain is, thing we got. This is all that you have. This is the actual present moment. Doesn't matter what's happening tomorrow, bro. Doesn't matter what's supposed to go down tomorrow. Any promotion you got tomorrow. Any bad thing that's supposed to happen tomorrow. Some shit that you got to do and you got to slave through some work tomorrow that you don't want to do. There, there's no point even worrying about that shit at the moment because it's not now anyway. You know what I mean? Like right now is literally the only thing that you have. Yeah, so much of our fears are what ifs and thinking about
1: situations that haven't even happened, which I think is smart to sometimes think about. You need it. Yeah, Some, you, you need it. You that. need it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm it not makes saying, you human. Yeah, it's, it's human. As, that, at the end of the day, that's what it is. Let's just fucking cap it off right there. We're we're human. So, we're going to make mistakes, <laughs> we're going to learn, but I don't know. All, all I want to do, honestly, I I, I just want to my head is like there's just there's enough for everyone to eat. This c- competition is good. But at the same time, there's enough for everyone to eat. There's enough for everyone to be happy. Lift each other up, and that's it. Like it's just, I, especially today. Today, is so this climate we're in right now is so sensitive that it's like, I don't know if it's social media, this or that. Like comparison is a thief of joy, but like. There's enough to go around, people. There's enough to go around. And happiness is one of them. So let's just lift each other up. I don't even know where I was going with that. That's literally it. Absolutely. You want to drop that mic now? I, w- <laughs> I, I, I was thinking about it. I was like, this shit's attacked. All right. We're going to drop right there, guys. Brent, I don't, do you want to plug yourself? I'm going to put everything in there. I bet people already know you. But you know, if there's anything that you want to there's
0: a mic is yours. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, plug wise, all the channels are, are Be Motivated, be motivated with an eight, there's no T after it because everybody spells it wrong. And um, that's it. You know, like my, like I had mentioned before, the, the only fear that I have is, is not about death itself. It's just about not fulfilling what my life's journey is here. And, and I think my journey is to instill inspiration and motivation and bring out the absolute best in people and, and let them realize that, you know, they're good enough and they're great and they have it in them and that we're all, we're all just fucking human, bro. we all have that thing in us. And whether we found it or not yet, um, it's there. And to just keep going, bro. That's it. Dead talks. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, dog.